0: I appreciate Sam making me feel at home. He said "y'all" five times. So I don't know if you count that, I'm from Texas, and so is Sam. Um, I got the yalls out of me many years ago, but uh, I like summer. Uh, most of our students are gone. I see that some of you are still here. There's a lot more room over the summer. We have uh, people visiting uh, from out of town, and we also have new people coming and and uh, visiting the church for the first time. So if, if you're new, Uh, People around you are probably new as well, and we're glad that you're here to uh, worship with us and get in the Word with us. Before we get in the Word and finish up Revelation, let's let's go to the Lord in prayer. Lord, you are reigning in glory and all sovereignty. You see us. And you know the suffering of our world filled with uh, injustice and pain and strife and evil. We see it in the courts, we see it on the streets, we see it around the world. And a lot of times we ask ourselves, what are we supposed to do? But maybe, Lord, you just want us to take some time to feel, to feel the pain, to feel the suffering, and to lament and to call out to you for mercy and grace. And when you see us as individuals, Lord, in our own sufferings and problems, we have a lot of them, I have a lot of them, and you see your church in this world, churches all over the world, and you see the tensions and problems in every church, including our own. And Lord, we long for Jesus to come back. At least we say that, but many of us really <clears throat> don't because we don't think about it much. But we ask this morning that you would cause us to long for his coming. Like, do a work with in us this morning by the power of your Holy Spirit as we get in your word that you would orient our hearts and our lives, and our minds to the return of Jesus. And we ask that you would do that work now. In Christ's name, amen. Some of the women in our church met at a park across the street a couple of weeks ago to talk about book recommendations for the summer, summer reading. Perhaps some of you have compiled lists of books that you are going to read for the summer. I thought I would add one for you. and I'm going to go ahead and put this up. It's called The Race Set Before Us, A Biblical Theology of Perseverance and Insurance. And most of you will not even touch that book. It seems boring, Right? So I'm going to summarize this book for you. You can read it if you want to. It's a, it's a scholarly book, but it's easy to read. Um, I'm going to summarize it for you. It's like this. The Christian life is like a race. We're running. And you know, we want to, we want to run the race in such a way where we, we, we receive the prize, right? Jesus Christ in heaven with him forever. So we're, we're running this race. And this book talks about different verses from the Bible that encourage us as we run this race. And some of the verses uh, are encouraging verses. Keep going. Press on. And some of the verses are warning verses. Hey, look out. (laughs) They warn us. So there's verses throughout the Bible of encouragement and warning. And as believers running this race, we need both. But sometimes... We often just get one or the other. You ever a part of a church where it's so encouraging and uplifting all the time. Everybody is happy. <laughs> but they never challenge you. They never warn you. But then some of you have gone to churches where you feel like you're going to hell every week. It's way too heavy. So many warnings, no encouragements. And maybe you have relationships with people within the church, you know, You know how church people are. Uh, There are some people that really are pumped about encouraging you. They're so encouraging. But then there's other friends like, you know what? We need to have an accountability relationship right now. Let me rebuke you right now. So there's a combo of both. We need both together in our churches and in our relationships because we're, we're running this race and we need encouragements and warnings. And just as I would say that no one in here is beyond encouragement, you never get to a point in your life where you're beyond being challenged. No one should ever say, I have arrived, I need no more warnings, I need no more challenges. We all still need that. And if you have made yourself untouchable, or people can't tell you anything, They can't correct you or challenge you or anything. That is a very dangerous position to be in. For we need both encouragement and challenges. And that's what we're going to see this morning as we finish up the book of Revelation. Why don't you go ahead and turn there. Revelation 22. Next week, we are going to have a recitation service. Uh, not the whole book of Revelation, but we'll be covering uh, a recitation service. You can come see that. And the songs that the worship team has written on Revelation uh, will all be put together in one service. It's really going to be cool. Let me encourage you to come. Most of you are probably out of town. Anyway, watch it on the live feed. It's going to be good. So the book of Revelation was written to warn and encourage a beleaguered church the seven churches outlined in the first three chapters were undergoing pressure and persecution and they were they were tempted to compromise with sexual morality and idolatry they had false teachers it it was just a mess and the book of Revelation is, is a wake up call. Say, hey, keep going. Keep running. You're, you're doing good. Now, some of you are not doing so good. Now, some of you are doing, could do better, but keep running and following Jesus. It's worth it. Do not quit. And it's encouragement and warning. Because now is the time for the believers to press on in their faith. Because the day of Christ's return is soon. Let's do this. Let's go ahead and read the text. We go ahead and stand. Revelation 22, we're going to start in verse 10, is where we're at, and go to the end of the chapter. And he said to me, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book, for the time is near. Let the evildoers still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy, and the righteous still do right, and the holy still be holy. Behold, I am coming soon, bringing... Uh, my recompense with me to pay everyone for what he has done. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the first and the last, the beginning and the end. Blessed are those who wash their robes so that they may have the right to the tree of life and that they may enter the city by the gates. Outside are the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. I, Jesus, have sent my angel to testify to you about these things for the churches. I am the root and the descendant of David, the bright morning star. The spirit and the bride say, come, and let the one who hears say, come, and let the one who is thirsty come, let the one who desires take the water of life without price. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city, which are described in this book. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with you all. Amen. You may be seated. A discouraging thing I've noticed over the years, it's really disheartening, is when people fall away from the Lord. They stop following Jesus. Perhaps it happens, it happens for a variety of reasons. You will often see maybe something really tragic or hard happen in their life, and maybe they start to get jaded, and discouraged, and depressed. And after time, uh, they don't want that anymore. Sometimes I uh, see it: people have some intellectual struggles and doubts, and then they turn away from Christ. Other times, they just get so deeply involved in a, in a certain sin or sins, and they're and they're 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 done following Christ. And this is really a, a discouraging thing to tell you, but. If the percentages hold, some of you here this morning will fall away from Jesus. What am I supposed to tell you? Am I supposed to say, well, you know, once saved, always saved. Yeah, that's true theologically. But if you fall away, guess what? You were never saved in the first place. Back at you. I don't want to give you false assurance and comfort if you're living a life where you're walking away from the Lord. I don't want to say, you know, that's great. You're fine. You can go and walk away. You'll be in heaven one day. We can't play those games. So what we're going to do this morning is a little bit of encouragement and warning to keep you going. Because I don't want to hear about you in the future as that person who is no longer walking with Jesus. So what we're going to do, I'm going to kind of give you some things that may tip you off that you're drifting and encourage you to keep going. So as we finish up Revelation, let's look at some signs of things that may tip you off if you're drifting and some encouragement to keep going. So let's start with Revelation 10, verse 10 in chapter 22. Read it. And he said to me that would be the angel speaking to john do not seal up the words of the prophecy of this book for the time is near there are statements in the bible about the soon return of christ here it is stated the time is near in verse 20 jesus says surely i am coming soon i believe statements like this in the bible could indicate that jesus could come back at any time and he can even come back right now and I think that's been our expectation for the last 2,000 years how shall we understand that? He, he's not come back yet how should we understand this? I've read something that, that may be helpful especially for those of you who really like soccer football I do not understand soccer well at all so I had to ask people about this so I'm just going to tell you maybe you can get it alright ready for this? The date of Christ's return is secret, but as it approaches, it calls for every Christian to remain on his or her toes in anticipation. You see, the death and resurrection of Jesus mark the beginning of the end, and here it is, the runoff, the moment when a soccer match clock exceeds 90 minutes And keeps ticking for some unknown stoppage time, soon to finally expire. I think that's a good image of of a soccer match has exceeded the 90 minutes, and and the game's soon going to be over. But until then, we are to press on and, and to keep following Jesus until he returns. There was once this guy in his 20s, and I was like this in my 20s. Uh, you know, you pray for a wife. I don't know if you guys do that. Look, Lord, give me a wife. And this guy was really consumed with praying for a wife. This is, this is kind of the focus of his prayers. And he goes to church one day, and he gets in there, and they're singing about the return of Jesus. And they're focused on the return of Jesus. And he goes in there, a- and he felt convicted that his prayers were all consuming on the here and the now didn't even give a thought to the return of Christ. And that that convicts me, convicts many of us, that we can be praying about a lot of things, thinking about a lot of things, but the return of Jesus is often not one of them. And yet when we see the book of Revelation and the early church, they're waiting for the return of Christ, anticipating it. Keep going. Look at verse 10 again. The angel says, Do not seal up the words of the prophecy. In other words, keep the book of Revelation exposed to the church like we're doing this past year so they'll continue to know the reality and press on uh, in Christ. So continue to have Revelation exposed to the church. But jump down to verse 18. Look at verse 18. I warn everyone who hears the words of the prophecy of this book, if anyone adds to them, God will add to him the plagues described in this book. And if anyone takes away from the words of the book of this prophecy, God will take away his share in the tree of life and in the holy city which are described in this book. The book of Revelation was meant to be read and understood without additions or subtractions. And those who add to it will be hit with God-ordained plagues and those who take away will fail to inherit eternal life. And this is a good word to apply to all of our Bibles, that we don't want to take away, we don't want to add to the Bible. And this kind of brings us first to this first warning sign I just want to throw out to you, an encouragement. It's this. Don't, don't, don't adjust, ignore the Word of God, but continually take in the whole counsel of God's Word. No one in here would ever say I'm going to adjust the Word of God, but just think about it. How many conversations have you at least thought in your head, you know what, I'm not so sure about the miracles in the Bible. I'm not so sure about the sexual ethics in the Bible and this concept of Jesus being the only way. And when you start messing with those things, those doctrines, you'll see a slow drift of adding and subtracting from the Bible that causes many people to fall away from following Christ. And some of you may be tempted to do that, but most of you won't do that. If there are some of you in here that fall away from Christ, what it will be, not from adjustments to your Bible, it will be kind of adjustments from your heart. You just won't be that interested in, I guess, reading it, studying it in community. I mean, in the morning you may open your phone, right? But rather than <laughs> you're checking your feed, rather than feeding on the Word, like some of you are doing right now, bust it, yeah? <laughs> right? Right? But we're supposed to expose ourselves to the Word, all of the Word, and if we find ourselves ignoring the Bible, ignoring studying, it, that's starting to be a slow drift, and you don't you don't want that to be you. And not only can it happen in your personal life, it can happen in your marriage. Like if you just if you're married and you've you've kind of set aside the Bible for your your marriage, you're not really talking about the Word anymore. I mean, just be careful of that slow drift, even in your marriage. And if you're raising kids, you're like ah. I don't want to confuse them. I don't want to talk to them about it. It's slow drifting in your family. We want to guard our hearts, not just from adjusting the word, but to ignoring and ignoring the word. We want to be taking in the whole counsel of God's word, personally and corporately. Keep going. Look at some other, other things that the, the word says here. Check out verse 11. This is a, kind of a confusing verse. It says, Let the evildoer still do evil, and the filthy still be filthy. And the righteous still do right and the holy still be holy. What does that mean? Well, one of the ways to understand this is that the, that Christ's return is so depicted as he's coming. It's imminent that the evil will still be doing evil at his return and the righteous will still be doing righteousness at his return. It's as if people are locked in their evil or locked in their righteousness when Christ suddenly appears. Their actions will be evident. That's why hardening your heart now is so dangerous because it can set you on an eternal trajectory to hell. Once again, you and I want to be those who are shaped by the word rather than the world at Christ's return. And you may think you're going through a little season of drifting. It's not a time to mess around. Verse 12. Not a time to mess around because Jesus says in verse 12, Behold, I am coming soon, bringing my recompense with me, to repay each one for what he has done i am the alpha and the omega the first and the last the beginning and the end jesus is completely sovereign alpha omega first and last letter of the greek alphabet he's sovereign over the beginning and the end and everything in between and he has the authority to bring judgment and to pay each one according to what he has done when you read verses like that he's going to repay each one according to what has done what does that what does that do to you does that make you think i got to work really hard to get into heaven no, no. See, we're saved by grace through faith in, the, in Jesus Christ. But this repaying each one according to what he has done, thats I think the way we should understand that as believers is that's a, a reward language. We're saved by grace through faith. But these grace-empowered works that we do will be rewarded in heaven. Perhaps it will be rewarded with more crowns to cast down at Jesus' feet. Maybe it will reward it with greater responsibility in heaven. I, I don't know. But the idea is that what we do now, even as believers, has uh, encouraging consequences for eternity. It should motivate us to live holy lives. I don't know if you've ever ever seen this. This is kind of a mocking thing where where, uh, Christians are mocked. Maybe you've ever seen a shirt that says, uh, Jesus is coming, look busy. That's just kind of a mocking comment. But I think uh, the... um, the more biblical, non-mocking way to say that is, is Jesus is coming, be faithful. Jesus is coming, be faithful. And this brings us to the, to the second encouragement or, or warning, I'll put it up for you. It says, uh, don't take seasons off from serving the Lord. But remain faithful in all seasons until he comes. I mean, I, I really don't think there should be these seasons off in serving the Lord. I don't know if anybody ever thought that. You know, as soon as I finish school, Then I'm going to serve the Lord. Oh, as soon as I get married, I'm going to go back to church. (laughs) Then when I have kids, I'm surely going back to church. And so you take seasons off. But that's dangerous. There's never in the Bible these seasons off from serving the Lord. And if you're thinking that way, that's not good thinking. Because that could be a a cause of drift. But I do need to say this as a, a word of encouragement to some of you. There will be different seasons where your walk with the Lord will look a little different. I remember when I I first started having babies. I wasn't having them. My wife was, but they were living in my house. And um, I wasn't ready uh, how to walk with the Lord with babies. Uh, I became bitter with babies. Anybody out there? You're like, man, yeah, I'm bitter with babies too. Uh, It's like you're doing your thing. You walk with the Lord. You have nice little quiet times. And you're like... And then you have a baby, you're like, bah, what do you do? It's a different season. I, and I, I remember my, my first two, they're 14 and a half months apart, and they'd, they'd be up with me in the morning, and I, I used to have quiet times that were actually quiet, and I didn't know what to do. It's a different season of my life, so I'd stick them both in a recliner next to each other, give them some juice, and I would turn on Barney, and I would kneel right in between them. I had to stay close to them because they would do something crazy. It was a season adjustment and if, if you can see what season you're in you'll say oh, i need to make some adjustments here to kids but there should never be a season where you just kind of say i'm done with the lord or i'm done with church my, my wife and i were listening uh, to christian radio yesterday and uh, we had a moment where we were kind of yelling at the radio a woman called in and she was a widow, she was in a season of widowhood and she was lonely and she wanted to know where to go. Where should she go to connect with people? And the broadcasters like, I don't know, that's a great question. Let me ask the listeners to call in and tell us, tell her where she should go. My wife and I are like throwing stuff at the radio, I was like, this is a Christian radio station." Go to church. Be around people who love you. Yes, the church is not perfect. I really think there should be no seasons where you're off from the Lord and there's no seasons where you should be off from church. I know that's hard for some of you to hear, but there should be no seasons where you're off from church. Yes, people are messy. You are too, but you need to be around people that can encourage you, even warn you, so you don't drift. All right, back to Revelation. Go back. Back twenty-two. Back to chapter 22. Look at verse four, 14 verse 14. Blessed are those who wash their robes so they may have the right to the tree of life that they may enter the city by the gates outside of the dogs and sorcerers and the sexually immoral and murderers and idolaters and everyone who loves and practices falsehood. Believers are depicted as those who are blessed because they have washed their robes in the blood of the slaughtered lamb. They've had their sins washed away through repentance and faith and the finished work of Christ. They have access, you see it there, to the tree of life and can enter the new Jerusalem by the gates. But did you notice the people that are left out of heaven? They are the evil dogs along with the immoral, the murderers, the sorcerers, the idolaters along with liars. These are the ones in hell. <laughs> I mean, when you read this, you're like, huh, so good people go to heaven and all these bad people go to hell. That's not, that's not what it's saying. That's not what it's saying a, a, at all. You see, no one is good enough to go to heaven. And those who end up in heaven could also have once been involved in sorcery, idolatry, and like my, uh, like me, full blown into life of sexual morality. Heaven and hell are both populated with people who committed such acts. So why are some in heaven and, and others in hell? If they've done the same acts on this earth, why does some get to go to heaven and some get to go to hell? And this is what we talked about a couple weeks ago: is that heaven is populated with repentant sinners, and hell is populated by unrepentant sinners. That's we are all fall on this list. We make many lists in the Bible. We have lived lives of sin and we repent and we trust in Christ. We still struggle. We still fight. We still war. But we're in heaven by grace. But those who choose not to repent are in hell. And that brings me to this this third point of drift with an encouragement. I'll put it up for you. Do not harden your heart, but repent often, even daily. And don't misunderstand this. I, I remember when I first got saved in college, I was in a Bible study, and I was with this guy. I, I was a new believer, and he said, you know what? I need to repent of every single sin I do, and if I die before I repent, I'm going to hell. And I was a new believer. I was going, huh, is that true? No, that is not true. But you do want to live a life of repentance and grace and faith in Jesus. And it seems like that, that repentance should characterize the life of a believer. And if you find yourself drifting, chances are you're not um, examining your life and seeing what's going on, uh, and you, you don't see your hard heart. I mean, even, you know what's, so, you know what's so, so difficult about this sermon? This is what's difficult about this sermon. Even if you are drifting and you're here right now, it's not like you know, Right? It's not like you, I mean, people may know, but do you know? And so you're thinking, yeah, he's talking about someone else because it's not me. Well, who am I talking to then? I, th- I think one of the biggest problems in the Christian life, and even in the human life, is that as humans, we lack self-awareness. We lack self-awareness. I mean, I can see where you lack it. And you like it a lot, but I can't always see where I like it. And and I, you you lack self awareness in not just your quirky habits. But some of you lack self awareness in the way you come across to others. You're 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 maybe harsh or mean. Some of you lack self awareness in your your sins that you don't really see as sin. And so when I'm telling you, you know, be careful. You may be drifting. You're like, I have no idea. That's why this concept of repentance is so important. And this is what it looks like biblically. Have you seen, have you heard this language before? Biblically, you come before God, so God, search me and know my heart. Test me and know my thoughts. See what's in me. Expose my hidden faults. You ever pray prayers like that? Expose my hidden faults. Lord, what, what can I not see? Bring this up. I want it to be, I want to be transformed by your grace. I don't want to walk around as a a self deceived person. It's that daily repentance and grace that happens through prayer and it happens in community. All right, we're really close to finishing here. We're really close to finishing. Look at verse 16. here are some statements here uh, uh, on the divinity and humanity of Christ. Not only is Jesus the root of David in that he created David and was before David, but he's also the descendant of David in that he was born in the line of David. You have this great God-man, Jesus Christ. He's the long-awaited Messiah, which is often depicted during this time as the bright morning star. It is this messianic God-man who, who is testifying to the churches about the future. And he's giving them warnings and encouragements. And he says, I'm coming. And what do his people say? God's people say, come. The Holy Spirit says, come. The church, the bride says, come. And all of you in here should say, come. In fact, everyone who is thirsty, needs their sins forgiven in Christ, should say, come, take the water of life without price. It's not too late for this salvation. It should be our desire that Christ comes back. And look at the way the book ends. Look at the way it ends in verse 20 and 21. He who testifies to these things says, Surely I am coming soon. Amen. Come, Lord Jesus. The grace of the Lord Jesus be with all. Amen. This brings us to our fourth and final point on spiritual drift, along with encouragement. Be wary of the short view over the long view. That could be the main point of all revelation and the main point of the Bible. Be wary of the short view over the long view. Don't sell out in the short term and miss eternity. Don't compromise for the sake of fleeting pleasures and forfeit eternal joy. Remember, the churches are facing suffering, false teaching, persecution, immorality, idol worship, and Jesus is speaking to them and says, don't sell out in the short term. You'll miss eternity. Bailing on Christ and giving in to sin temporary will fail to satisfy your true thirst. As I think about being wary of the short view over the long view, I think I want to make a statement to you. And it might not make much sense, but hopefully I can explain it. Your life should only make sense because there's eternity. Your life should only make sense because there is eternity. If there is no eternity, your life doesn't make sense. What that means is that some of you have been enduring a long trial in a godly way that if there was no eternity, you would have bailed a long time ago. You would have bailed maybe in your marriage a long time ago. Some of you are staying in a marriage in a God-honoring way because you know God is real and eternity is real. Some of you have endured difficult relationships with your family, with your children, that if God was not real and eternity was not real, you would have bailed a long time ago. We take up this morning's offering. It makes no sense if there's no eternity. God is not real. Your life only makes sense because there is an eternity. Why are you making sacrifices? Why do that? Because there's eternity. Why don't you just give in to sin? Well, there's eternity. Christ is real. Wouldn't it be awesome if people looked at your life, scratched their head, and said, what? what are you doing? Why would you do that? Why would you not give in to that? You say, Jesus is real. Eternity is real. I'm not going to give in in the short term because eternity's coming. Wouldn't it be awesome to say, I can only understand your life because of eternity? Wow, you make no sense because of eternity. You do make sense. And I hope that encourages you to keep pressing on in difficult relationships. Keep taking risk because there is eternity. Keep being sacrificial because there is eternity. And don't compromise in the short term. One of my favorite singers, and I don't know if many of you know him. um, he's, He's back in the day. His name is Keith Green. There was a book uh, written about him after his death called No Compromise. I I can't even see it for everybody else. No Compromise. Uh, And this guy sold out for Jesus. And I was too young to go to his concerts, but I've listened to them. And he was all about encouraging the church and warning the church and keep coming back to No Compromise. And he was really focused on the return of Christ. He died young uh, in a plane crash but his music and his message lives on. And I like that idea of no compromise. And I want to end with one of his songs. I'm not going to sing it, nor am I going to play it, but I'm going to pray it. And I want you to pray along with me this uh, song that was called Make My Life a Prayer to You. As he anticipates the return of Christ There is a certain way he wants to live now, and I think we all want to live as well. So let's go ahead and go to the Lord in prayer. Father, here we are, and we want to make our prayer personal. Make my life a prayer to you. I want to do what you want me to no empty words and no white lies, no token prayers, no compromise. I want to shine the light you gave through your Son you sent to save us from ourselves and our despair. It comforts me to know you're really there. I want to thank you now for being patient with me. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. I guess I'll have to trust and just believe what you say. You're coming again, coming to take me away. I want to die and let you give your life to me so I might live and and share the hope you gave me, the love that set me free. I want to tell the world out there you're not some fable or fairy tale that I've made up inside my head. You're God, the Son, and you've risen from the dead. I want to thank you now for being patient with me. It's so hard to see when my eyes are on me. I guess I'll have to trust and just believe what you say. You're coming again. You're coming to take me away. I want to die and and let you give your life to me so I might live and share the hope you gave me, the love that set me free.